Hi again, Gary Zacharias. Let's do another book, pull another book off the Apologist bookshelf. This one is by Wilbur Lingle, L-I-N-G-L-E. It's called Approaching Jehovah's Witnesses in Love. And uh, an excellent book. All sorts of great information in here. I've uh, done the book before, but uh, I wanted to go to chapter 6, which includes 12 claims by Jehovah's Witnesses as to why they are God's organization. So he said he took it from a letter written by a Jehovah's Witness to a friend. He said it's very typical of Watchtower claims, and he has an answer for each one. So they start off, number one is neutrality. So they use the claim that Jesus and John says they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. So that means Christians should be neutral toward politics. And he says, well, that's, that's the way they see it. Jehovah's Witnesses don't vote. They won't hold political office. They don't work for government agencies or recognize the national flag. Now, what's interesting about this, and I'd heard this other places, this is a later teaching. Isn't that interesting? Many, for many years, they were not neutral. He says, you know, if, if this current teaching is correct, then they violated God's law during those early years. He says, but no government worker in the Bible was ever told to leave his job. John the Baptist, for example, did not tell the soldiers to leave the army. Peter didn't tell Cornelius, who was a centurion, to give up his position. He said, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are looking forward to a time when they're going to live on the new earth. But he says they don't want to help make the present earth a better place in which to live while they're waiting. Okay, so there was claim number one with the refutation. <clears throat> Here's number two, killing and warfare. Christ said that we're not supposed to kill. A Christian should love his enemies. How can you love your enemy if you kill him? Most of the Christian faiths have gone to war. And uh, it says the Catholics and the Protestants, the Mormons, and uh, so on. But he said... Jehovah's Witnesses have not and will not go to war. Okay, so that's the claim. They said, well, not all the mainline Protestant groups have gone to war. Uh, the Moravians and the Mennonites and the Quakers and others were against war. He says, actually, that statement that Jehovah's Witnesses have not and will not go to war is incorrect. He said, either that person that said that doesn't know the history of the society or ignored it. For the first 60 years of the Jehovah's Witness movement, they allowed their members to join the army and go to war. It didn't change until 1939. And again, he asked the question, if the Bible is against war, why did it take them so many years to find this out? Okay, so he says, if you take a look in Luke 6, it says, love your enemies and do good to those that hate you and so on. But he said, you know, if you read that, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't practice this kind of love. They treat those that they disfellowship from the society as enemies. They won't speak to them. They won't have anything to do with them. They don't show them any love. And he said, you know, if you go door to door and and, uh, and they come to your door, he said, if you try to visit them, they'll tell you to leave. And he gave him a story that, that uh, exactly uh, that's the way it worked out. He said, I've never experienced any of the love that they say that they show to their enemies. He said, I should be seeing a lot of love from them. He said, I don't hate the Jehovah's Witnesses. I do hate their false teachings. So good point. He says, I do love them and I want to win them to Christ. Now, here's uh, issue number three. It's uh, dealing with unpaid clergy. Jesus, uh, this is according to the Jehovah's Witnesses again. Jesus told his disciples, don't charge for his services. Paul never charged for his, his spiritual services. And he did secular work so they wouldn't be a burden. There's no principle in the Bible, to set up a special clergy class. 
He says, Jehovah's Witnesses follow those principles few other Christian groups do. He says, well, you know, they do ask for a contribution for the publications. That just covers the cost of printing and publishing. No profit is made. All right, so what's his response? He said, well, a person that makes that statement doesn't know church history or what the Bible teaches. He said, that's true, uh, that servants of God do not charge for their services. But the Bible teaches that those that are in the ministry should live by the ministry, 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that they which minister by holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? In the Old Testament, the Levites were to be supported by the people. Christ himself in the New Testament uh, chose people to go into full-time service for him. So it says uh, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses say Paul did secular work, but they don't mention that he just did, did that for a short time. It says they also ignore the fact that Paul received most of his income from offerings taken by the churches where he'd ministered. And Jesus and his disciples took offerings from people. He says the members of the governing body of the Watchtower Society don't work for their living, but they're supported by the organization. So that's interesting. It says uh, many other cults, like the Mormons and the Unification Church, also don't have paid clergy. So his question is, does that mean that they have the truth too? Yeah, good question. It says uh, 70% of the income of the Watchtower Society comes from the profit. Profit, notice that word. The profit they make from the donations they get for their literature. Only 30% comes from the offerings of the people. So uh, says that they do make a profit from their donations. So here's number four. Here's what uh, he hears. Here's what people say who are in the Watchtower Society. We should avoid pagan doctrines and practices. He says many of the things that Christians talk about today, like holidays, they're not Christian at all. They're pagan. Uh, the Babylonian origin of Christmas can be found. Halloween, Mother's Day, birthdays, Easter, New Year's Day. Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate those pagan holidays. Second Corinthians says, get out of the unclean thing. That they, they've gotten out of the unclean thing. So it says, for many years, the Watchtower Society, again, notice this, when they started out, they celebrated those pagan holidays. Charles Russell, he observed Christmas. He thanked people for their Christmas gifts. If the Bible really did condemn those holidays, why didn't he know this? Had he not studied the Bible? Again, it wasn't until 60 years after they began they started to condemn such practices. His question, like the others, why did it take them so long to learn that the rules, uh, to learn that the, the holidays are pagan and they shouldn't observe them? Isn't that interesting? It says to, to celebrate a holiday on the same day a pagan holiday was once celebrated doesn't make it pagan. Most people don't, are not even aware that pagans celebrated on these days. It says the Jehovah's Witnesses are inconsistent. They don't refuse to use the calendar, even though most of the days and the months are named after pagan gods. Ooh, that's a good point. So it says uh, just because unsaved people celebrate Christmas in a different way doesn't make the holiday pagan said, I don't know where the Jehovah's Witnesses find Mother's Day in the Bible. Uh, Easter is definitely not pagan, he says. The Watchtower Society only condemns certain practices, and they aren't consistent. They don't celebrate birthdays. Okay, but they celebrate weddings with drinking and other pagan practices. They don't condemn drinking alcoholic beverages. They try to justify that from the Bible. He says they, they tell you you shouldn't drink in excess. They have a lot of serious drinking problems, he says, even at their headquarters in Brooklyn. Here's number five. 
They talk about unscriptural doctrines and teachings, says the doctrines of the Trinity, hell, immortality of the soul, that everybody dies and goes to heaven, Israel's covenant relationship with God, mother is the, Mary, uh, is the mother of God, Mary is the mother of God, the Pope as being infallible, the cult of the priesthood. He said those are all unscriptural. He says, I can use any Bible translation to disprove any or all of them. Any Jehovah's Witness, Witness can do that. They don't teach any unscriptural pagan doctrines. So um, now what is he going to say about that? So he breaks it down. He says, all right, let's look at the Trinity. Says uh, they infer that, that that's uh, a bad practice there. He says, when Charles Russell began the Watchtower Movement, he embraced the teachings of the day of the liberals, and they had denied the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. So it's interesting he started out with part of that attitude and part of that belief system. Approximately, this is according again now to Lingle, the author of this book, approximately 80% of the quotes they use to disprove the Trinity are misquoted from the writings of Trinitarians. I think that's uh, interesting to know. So he said, all right, so how do, you, how do you deal with the witnesses? He said, here's my approach. So the doctrine of the triune God is clearly based upon the Bible, but let's look at the complex problem the Watchtower has created by not believing in the doctrine. So here we go. The Bible teaches that there's only one God. It says, but if you read the Watchtower Society material and see what they teach, they have two distinct gods. They think the Father is the eternal God, but that he created the Son, and they call him a God, small g, according to John 1.1 1, 1 in their Bible, so they've got two separate gods. That's polytheism. That's a pagan doctrine. Okay, so that doesn't work very well. Um, what about John 17.3 says in their translation, this means everlasting life. They're taking in knowledge of you, the only true God, and of the one whom you sent forth, Jesus Christ. If there's only one true God, then all other gods have to be false gods. Okay, well, they say the Father is the true God, so where does that leave Jesus? That created Son God must be a false God. It says push and press Jehovah's Witnesses on this point. If the Son to them is only a God, he has to be a false God because there's only one true God. I've never heard that argument. I think that's interesting. Now remember, the whole Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the Son is a created being who lives only in heaven. He was a God. But in Isaiah 9, 6, the Son is called the Mighty God. Of course, the Jehovah's Witnesses will say, well, that's Mighty God, but not Almighty. And for him to become the Mighty God, they propose that the Son was recreated three days after the death annihilation of the man, Jesus Christ. That's when the recreated son became the mighty God. They don't think he will continue in that state. They say after a thousand-year reign of Christ, the son's going to be turned, uh, will turn over the kingdom to the father, and they mean the recreated son will be demoted to a God. This is really complicated, isn't it? That's just me talking. Lingle says, I don't understand how a God could will himself out of existence and later become the mighty God for at least 3,000 years and then go back to being a God. So I said, you've got all sorts of perplexing problems if you're trying to twist things around this way. Here's a few other problems, he says, are left unsolved by denying the Trinity. So the Watchtower Society teaches that at the time Jesus was born on the earth, the Son in heaven willed himself out of existence. 
so that the life force or the spirit of the sun could come down from heaven. But what's the watchtower explanation of a life force? To them, it's just a breath that keeps a human being alive. It doesn't have a personality. It can't speak or think or hear. There's nothing in this life force, so there's really nothing that came down from heaven. If you try to question them about that, they don't have any convincing answers. He said, but it even gets more involved. They say the sun was a spirit creature who lived in a spirit body, whatever that might be. But since spirit bodies don't have blood in them, they don't need oxygen, so they would not have any breath or life force. He said, this is complicated and mysterious. He says, look at the resurrection of Jesus. The word resurrect means to stand up again. The person who died would be raised to life. And the Bible talks about the resurrection of Jesus over 100 times. Well, the Watchtower Society says that Jesus gave his life as a ransom, and if Jesus had been bodily resurrected from the dead, then he would have taken back the ransom. And Lingle says, don't ask me to explain this. I've never found a JW who would attempt to do so. They teach instead that Jesus was raised as a spirit. And Lingle says there's not a single verse in the Bible that even give the, give the slightest hint of this teaching. So it says, ask the Jehovah's Witness when you're dealing with them to show you very clearly from the Bible their explanation of that recreation of the sun and where in the Bible it's taught that spirit beings have spirit bodies. Also, since Jesus Christ was completely annihilated, according to them, at the time of his death, how can they continue to talk about Jesus being in heaven or being able to reign? How can something that's annihilated reign? Ask them upon what spiritual ground the Son, who was first created as a God, becomes the mighty God after being recreated. He says, I don't get it. Why would the Father give the recreated Son such an exalted position for committing suicide? Yeah, good point. Another problem with the Trinity since they deny the Trinity, they have to have two creators. Jesus is one, and Jehovah is the other. Uh, because it clearly says in John 1, 3, all things came into existence through him. So creation is ascribed to Jesus in Colossians 1, 16. The Bible says Jehovah created everything. Look at Isaiah 44, 24. This is what Jehovah has said. You're a repurchaser and the former of you from the belly I, Jehovah, am doing everything, stretching out the heavens by myself, laying out the earth. Who is with me? But to the Jehovah's Witnesses, Jehovah and Jesus are two separate gods. Hmm. So in their view, Jesus created all things, and yet Jehovah created everything by himself. you got an impossibility there. He says, yeah, the Jehovah's Witnesses need to be shown. When they deny the Trinity, they've created way more problems than they thought they solved. Yeah. Um... What about the Holy Spirit? The Bible says in Mark 3.29 that the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is an unpardonable sin. It says, isn't that strange? How, how could a, the greatest sin be committed against an impersonal active force of God? How can you speak against something that doesn't exist as, except as energy? So he says, I'd like to have a Jehovah's Witness tell me how an impersonal active force can speak because it talks about that in the Bible. How does the active force empower people? How can it comfort? How can it teach? How can it encourage? Said, ask the Jehovah's Witness. They need to face these questions. Well, those are only a few of the issues. I want to do some more later, but uh, I've gone through my time for this. This is crucially important. The kinds of things that Jehovah's Witnesses say 
but they haven't really thought through. And they've got some major problems with these. So I'll continue with that chapter. I think it's an excellent chapter. Um, so it's called Approaching Jehovah's Witnesses in Love. And it says, do you wish you didn't feel like hiding whenever Jehovah's Witness rang your doorbell? And so it said, how do you effectively minister to these people? And I think this book does an excellent job. Well, thank you, and I hope you're having a good day, and we'll do another podcast soon.